When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents... A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Slow the testing down. Remove him from office. No justice, no peace. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. With all due respect, that's a bunch of malarkey. Hello and welcome to the Betches Sub Podcast. I'm Amanda Duberman. And I'm Sammy Fishbein. And the Betches Sub Podcast is your daily rundown of all the craziest shit going down in the news, brought to you by your two funniest friends. Which is us. Today we're here with Representative Katie Porter. Congresswoman Porter represents California's 45th district, where she is the first Democrat elected to represent the district. And welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being with us. Um, before we get started, we just wanted to note that as we're recording, it is Tuesday, July 21st. So if you're listening on Friday, which is when this comes out, um, we may have a little bit more information about the impact of upcoming stimulus legislation on education. So there may be updates to this conversation. Yeah, and that is what we would love to talk to you about. Um, so Congresswoman Porter, thank you so much for being here. As we've discussed, you're a mother of three, (laughs) Uh, the only single mother in Congress. So you obviously get the implications of having kids uh, at home for prolonged periods of time. I think the other day you recently shared a video of one of your kids literally running circles around you. No, that's, it's very real here. So when people ask me sort of, how do you think about these issues as a congressperson versus as a parent? Um, That is just a dividing line that I have not found. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. So I mean, first of all, how are you doing? How are you hanging in there? Um, I would say I'm hanging in there by a thin thread. I think that's true for a lot of people right now. Um, You know, I think moms always matter. And I will say that as a 46-year-old, that is true for me too. Um, And as my mom has said when I've called her on a few occasions, um, Katie, we all have some bad days. Um, And so that's sort of part of this getting through this pandemic. It's part of being a working parent in general um, is giving yourself some permission to have some bad moments and some good moments. Yeah, absolutely. So throughout the summer, uh, what people have been talking about a lot in the past week, past several weeks, I mean, I assume parents have been talking about it for months and months, but it's been more, more part of the mainstream conversation is education. But throughout the entire summer, you've been putting pressure on the administration to push for schools to reopen safely, but they need to provide guidance and resources. Uh, you recently, you wrote a letter with Senator Kamala Harris to Secretary Betsy DeVos and Secretary Alex Azar uh, demanding the federal government provide guidance to schools. You wrote, you have wasted months without apparently joining forces to conduct science-based research on the best ways to open schools. And you asked the administration to rapidly offer guidance. That was two and a half weeks ago. <laughs> uh, have you seen anything since then that suggests they're, they're taking the risk seriously? Zero. 
Yeah. No response to that letter, none. And the, you know, we're just ticking closer to when schools were supposed to have started. And I think one of the things that's most interesting about this is that, you know, we started this pandemic in late January. It became very, very apparent in mid-March when we saw states like California shut down that we were going to need to take urgent action. Um, as we watched what happened in other places across the country, you know, New York, New Jersey, where was the planning in April and May and June for this. So I, I will remember distinctly standing in DC um, in my congressional office, and there aren't a lot of parents who work as congressional staffers because the job is hard and late hours and the pay's not great. It's, it's a tough job to be a congressional staffer, putting aside the fact that you have to deal with people like me. Um, and saying to them in sort of mid-June, this is going to be a disaster. Like, I don't know what's going to happen with my kid's school. I still don't know. And they're like, oh, that's really interesting. And I was like, no, it's not interesting. Wow. It's a crisis. So the fact that everybody is sort of waking up to this from a public policy standpoint, I think your point about parents being worried about this from the get-go um, is absolutely true. And I, you know, my kids go to year-round public school or they were supposed to. So our back to school day was July 15th and it came and went um, and had to be delayed because of the pandemic. And recently the district uh, made little videos. Um, what is hybrid learning? What is blended learning? I mean, I don't know, they sound the same to me. Um, and so I watched these little videos and truthfully wept um, because they all just sounded like they have little cartoon characters of children being kept apart and wearing yeah. face shields. And I could just, it was just really overwhelming and difficult as a parent to have to make these, these choices without any real knowledge about what are best practices. How do I assess if my school district or my county board of education or my state is using the best practices? We don't know because Secretary DeVos and Secretary Azar have failed to provide any. Can I ask if you have any ideas or insights about why they didn't do anything? <laughs> well, I think with Secretary DeVos, I mean, her default mode, if you think about like a default setting, her default setting is to do nothing. So I, I think it's hard to say why she didn't do something about this because she just doesn't do stuff unless it's an opportunity to sort of advance for profit colleges or for-profit charter schools. So her, she's in default mode of do nothing. Secretary Azar, I think, has, and the CDC certainly have been trying to, to meet some of the public health um, challenges that we face. But here's the reality. Most people in Congress don't have the kind of situation I have. And the number of times that I've said, this isn't going to work for me. I, I can't do this. And it's always, well, you know, Katie, you're just so unique. You're so special. Now, I may be the only single mom in Congress, but I want sure as hell I'm not the only single mom in the United States of America. And there's a lot of single parents, single working grandparents, and others who are facing the same kind of crisis. But the reality is Congress's priorities in part reflect who the people are, who represent us. And for a lot of these people, this is their wife's problem. Um, their kids are grandkids. Because if you look at congressional leadership, if you look at sort of who makes the policy, these are people who have a lot of experience, but they're in their 70s and 80s. This is not kind of daily pressure for them. And, you know, just yesterday I went for a walk. This was supposed to be my, my time alone. My, you know, like, how do you keep yourself sane? I mean, I don't, but this was supposed to be my effort at doing that. And my daughter was on her scooter and she kept kind of scooting into my ankles. Um, and I was like, 
Betsy, you just like go away. Like I need you to scoot further in front of me. And she said, mom, I don't care what you do. You're never going to be alone. Got it? And that is what this, that's the relief that the school system provided was yeah. that I was actually able to fully focus on work. But look, let's be clear. It's the reason you can focus is not just that the school's open. It's that the school is keeping your child safe. And that's not true for every parent in ordinary times. And I think what a lot of parents are feeling right now worried about their kids' safety with COVID, we also have to remember is something that a lot of parents have to worry about each and every day in their school systems and in their communities. Yeah, it seems like quite a cool irony that your daughter's name is Betsy. <laughs> and you're directing letters, your letters to Betsy. Your world just revolves around Betsy lately, it sounds like. Yeah, no, whenever I say anything that is pointing out some of Betsy DeVos's shortcomings, yeah. my daughter's always like, don't talk that way about Betsy's. <laughs> That's really cute. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits healthier hair and skin. Yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. You know, what's so interesting about how your colleagues think that your situation is unique. Your situation is not really at all unique. What's unique about it is that you seem to actually fulfill the purpose of what elected representatives are supposed to do, which is represent and reflect the constituency. I think what's actually remarkable about many of your colleagues is not their age or their um, insulation from like the 
from childcare. It's the fact that they don't actually like necessarily reflect any sort of constituency because they've been like in office for so long. So I, mean, I think that's one of the great things about the 2018 class is that so many of us came from all different walks of life and bring a kind of different energy to how we should be operating as an institution um, to Congress. And I think there's some tension there around sort of, this is how we do it. And then a lot of us who arrived in 2018 saying, but why the hell would you do it that way? Right? And, and those are productive and positive conversations for creating a more, a more functional Congress that hopefully the American people, of all political parties, frankly, have more confidence in. Yeah, when we talked to Senator Tammy Duckworth, she, her staff had noticed because her constituents, she also has really young children, came to her and said, like, I'm not getting a, a child credit for my baby that I had this year because to get money out the door, they weren't included in their taxes. Those babies didn't exist yet. And that's something that might not have come across anybody else's radar, but affects a huge number of people. No, exactly. And I, I think it's sort of two things. One is electing people who have these different experiences. And then two is people feeling more comfortable talking about their experiences and opening up a little bit more. So, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget when I was a candidate, someone saying to me, you know, I hope she really drives that minivan. And that's not just a joke because we're going to put it in the commercials. And I was like, of course I drive a minivan. Like, yeah. What else would I drive? Right? Like how else can you transport three or four children without losing your mind? Like yeah. the minivan is pretty much the only option available to me. And, and people have said to me things like I often take with my, kitchen in the background and they're like your kitchen's so comforting and I'm like I'm glad it meets some deep unfulfilled emotional yeah. need for you but it's just my kitchen right yeah I think people just don't are, are surprised when they're elected rep when congress people are like a no they're normal people rather than like these Betsy DeVos-esque figures who are like completely just I don't know of some golden elite but Speaking of Betsy DeVos, can you tell us what alarms you more? The fact that Betsy DeVos refuses to disclose or even have any plans to open schools, or the fact that Kaylee McEnany says that the administration won't let science get in the way of the opening? Yeah, I mean, these are, these are two really bad choices. I mean, I think one of the things about COVID-19, though, that, I, that I've thought a lot about recently with this school thing is I've been calling on it you know, with Senator Harris's partnership. Um, Kamala and I called on you know, them to use science to create safe standards is the lack of scientific research that we've been doing as a country and releasing anyway about COVID-19. And we're now several months into this and we don't seem to be doing having, and having done the kinds of scientific studies to really understand some of these things. But you know, I think you see this most clearly when you think about bars, um, you know, the choice to open up bars is a big factor in why we're not able to open up schools. And that reflects not only a priority choice, but also who has a lobby, um, who's pushing, how money being lost creates this, we can't let you know, bar owners suffer, but children, they can just suffer. Um, and some of the very last things to reopen in communities that did close were things like playgrounds. Um, and I certainly think if you can figure out how to sanitize things like indoor dining at restaurants, you can figure out how to wipe down playground equipment. Yeah, Especially absolutely. Since that's actually less lower risk, they found. Because it's outdoors, because it's, you know, it's not always occupied, um, there aren't servers there, it's families largely going as a family unit. And so 
I think we've seen here a combination of science, but also kind of political pressure that comes from organized lobbying. Um, and, you know, I hate to say it, but Schoolhouse Rock notwithstanding, like the kids lobby just isn't what it could be in this country. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. What do you make of the administration's claim that it won't fund schools that don't open their doors. How much federal funding actually does support schools and who who will taking it away hurt most? So that is that is a terrible threat um, to be making to our school systems, to our teachers, to our parents, um, and to frankly to businesses who benefit from having employees be able to show up for work um, because school systems are open and functioning. So we absolutely need to be giving more federal funding to schools right now, not threaten to take it away. Schools need funding to meet the challenges of the pandemic. And this is an administration, by the way, that has repeatedly trumpeted the importance of giving business resources to meet the pandemic. Restaurant owners have to have plexiglass shields. People have to put in you know, sanitizer dispensers. Where are schools supposed to get the money for doing all those things? We put $650 billion into the Paycheck Protection Program for small business. We put half a trillion dollars into a Federal Reserve Treasury Program for so-called Main Street, but really for Wall Street. And yet with schools, we're threatening to, to take funding away at the exact time we should be reassuring them that their funding is going to be stable and in fact increasing to let them meet the needs of this pandemic. So it's incredibly disappointing to hear this kind of, you know, that we're willing to, to use children as sort of hostages in this kind of political battle. Yeah, and the schools can't even like open their windows. So 
that should be um, a really nice situation come September. Um, but just for our last question, last week, a number of studies emerged detailing the impact of the pandemic on working mothers um, who co-parent with a male. And they found that at-home schooling and childcare is still falling primarily on women, even though they're both physically present in the home. Um, and women are dedicating about four to five times as much time to those things as before. Um, how do you think that um, keeping kids home could actually exacerbate gender inequality? Oh, I mean, in every second of every day, um, it will be exacerbating gender equality. And there's a great book on this. It's an old one, but a good one. It's actually on my bookshelf behind me. Um, it's called The Second Shift by sociologist Arlie Hochschild. And one of the things that she highlights is even in households that believe both the man and the woman, for example, in a heterosexual household, say that they split the work, women still do four and five and six times more. So in essence, women work an extra shift of work each day. Um, and you see sort of gender splits like this. I'll give you a great example. I'll take care of the outside of the house, says a man. You take care of the inside. So let me understand this. You get to take your shirt off and parade around and mow the front lawn while I'm in there every single night making dinner and facing an endless mound of laundry that yeah. is never done. Um, that kind of like division isn't really equal division. And we've also seen, by the way, the economic impacts of this fall heavier. To the extent that there is, and we know there is, a gender pay gap, if one parent has to decide to leave the workforce, it's going to be the lower paid parent, which is often going to be the woman. Um, and all of this is we're already seeing women are losing jobs at nearly twice the rate of men. Um, and that Family, women who have children, um, single parents in particular, are 22% less likely to have a job right now as compared to two-parent families with children. So this, we're already seeing this as a huge labor market disruption for single parents um, and for families with children, young children, who are already at an economic disadvantage. Right, right. You look at it and like women are more likely to be unemployed right now. They're also more likely to be running households. It's like everything compounds and... Hopefully that's all taken into consideration as they're in moving forward with some additional one help of the for things people. I'd really like to see is I'd love to see leaders like Jamie Dimon of the Business Roundtable, who's not just in his capacity as a bank CEO, but is kind of the CEO of the CEOs, mm -hmm. step up and make childcare costs and schools reopening in the pandemic as part of what the business community needs to recover economically and to understand childcare as the economic issue that it really is. Women in the workforce are a huge part of our GDP growth. They're a huge part of how families are able to make ends meet. So we have to think about caring for children as a priority and the business community needs to be leading on this point, putting pressure on the White House to deliver that state and local funding that's needed. That's the irony that it really would be to all of these men's advantages to actually you know, create some equality through policy. Um, but thank you so much, Congresswoman Porter. I, I, we feel so lucky to have someone like you representing, not maybe us in particular, but, you know, representing the people of America. And thank you so much for your hard work and your service. And we really wish you the best of luck with the, all the demands that are on you. Yeah, it's going to take a heck of a lot of luck to make it through today, much less through this pandemic. So I really appreciate that more than you could know. Thank you so One much. One day at a time. Thank you. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. 
I'm Tammy Fishbein. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. Betches.